First Samuel chapter 24 this evening. Uh, pastor, yesterday we took him to San Antonio to the airport. He said, Matt, preach the devil out of him. Well, I'm thinking, well, uh, Pastor must know a little bit more about things. Than, uh, but, you know, I, I think I'm just going gonna, gonna to try to do that. We're going to talk about the devil tonight. Preach about the devil. First Samuel chapter 24, when you find your place, if you will, stand with me and uh, bear with me tonight. This is uh, the second time that I'm going to preach in English in I don't know how many months. And I thought about Joseph on Sunday night, and Joseph's been out a little bit longer than I have. And, uh, you know, you preach five times a week in Spanish, and then you get thrown into English, and it takes a little bit of adjustment. So if I say something, you can ask Robbie. He can interpret it a little bit later, okay? First Samuel chapter 24, begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says there, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came by the sheep coats. By the way, where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it seemed good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Let's pray if you would this evening. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, uh, what a blessing it is to be with family, not only during the holidays, but Lord, to be together as a family in your house. Lord, I thank you for the safety you've given to so many as they've traveled these last several days. I pray that you be a pastor and Miss Kim as they're away in Argentina. Lord, give them a blessed time together and with those uh, uh, friends and family in the, in the Lord that they've been so distant from for so many years. Bring them home safely. I pray that you bless the message tonight. I pray that you give me the words to say. Help me, Lord, uh, to be able to, to share the message that you placed on my heart. Lord, we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Very familiar story here is David and Saul met in the cave. Unbeknownst to Saul what was going on. And uh, probably many messages have been preached on David cutting the skirt of Saul. But I'd like to preach tonight on this thought. Sleeping with the enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. You know, from the very moment that David killed Goliath, Saul began to seek David's life. In fact, if you go back to, to chapter 18, just a couple of chapters back, the Bible says in verses 8 and 9, it says there in verse 8, And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? The Bible says in verse 9, And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And in fact, if you'll notice in the very same chapter, verse 29, the Bible says, And Saul was yet more afraid of David. And Saul became David's enemy continually. Um, you know, not only did Saul look at David as his enemy, but the fact is, is even in chapter 24 where we read, even David's men looked at Saul as David's enemy. And so um, there is there is no doubt that there was some some hard feelings there on, on the part of Saul. And even though Saul looked at David as his enemy, and even though David's men looked at Saul as the enemy, David didn't look at Saul as his enemy. He still looked at him as the Lord's anointed. And... Um, we, we see here that David, he, he, was, he was alert. He was aware to the fact that Saul looked at him as his enemy. In fact, that David was, was, 
He was on the watch continually about how to escape out of the hands of Saul. And Saul was after David time and time again. In fact, the truth is, is uh, Saul, he sought him continually. There wasn't a day that went by that Saul wasn't thinking about how he could get David. But you know, uh, there is there's no doubt tonight about the intentions of Saul towards David. Uh, he, he, w- he saw him as his enemy and he was out to destroy him at any cost. Let me say tonight that even in the Christian life, uh, we have an enemy and that enemy is out to destroy us. And um, though the story may may look, uh, be Saul, the one that was sleeping in the cave and and getting the, 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 the title for the message sleeping with the enemy. I want you to understand David's not the bad guy in this story. The bad guy is Saul. But, but I think that we can make that application tonight. And, and the Bible tells us in John chapter 10 about our enemy. The Bible says the devil come to seek and to destroy and to kill. That's his purpose and that's his desire. But uh, I wonder tonight if we, if we would examine this passage, how many times as Christians we may be caught sleeping with the enemy. Here Saul comes with his men and they enter into this cave and he goes to sleep not knowing and not realizing that his enemy is just steps away. But I wonder tonight as we get ready to, we've already started this new year. And I, and I think that most of us maybe have good plans and desires and things we want to do and change this year. But you know, I think that if, we, if we're really going to change and we're really going to 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 be able to reach some of those goals that we have, I think in a great part, we're going to have to wake up to the reality of the situation around us. And, and maybe we need to understand, uh, too many times I believe Christians are sleeping with the enemy. Let me say, first of all, tonight, as we think about this thought, sleeping with the enemy, the enemy is closer than you think. You know, if, if Saul would have had any clue that David was in the sides of that cave, do you think he would have gone to sleep that night? No way. Not a chance. And, and I believe that if most Christians really understood how close the enemy is, you wouldn't bat an eye because of the fear of that enemy. Let me say tonight that Saul, Saul many times had come so close to David. And the Bible says that twice he was so close and Saul, he cast his javelin at David. How close was the enemy? He had to be pretty close. I don't think Saul cast the javelin at 300 yards. That, that means that the enemy was pretty close. I don't know, last time you were in a javelin competition, but, but you have to be pretty close to hit that target. Let me say tonight that as Christians, how easy it is to get sidetracked and lose our perception of how truly close the enemy is to us. Here, here the enemy, Saul, Saul is not just close. I mean, they're sleeping in the same room. They're in the same cave. Here they are just steps away from each other. And, and, and the truth is, is that our enemy this, this evening as Christians is the very same way. The fact is, is it, 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 we don't understand that, that the enemy is so close tonight. He's sitting here. Yeah. You know, what, what did Jesus tell his disciples? John chapter 6, verse 70. And Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you, twelve, and one of you is a devil? How close was the enemy to the Lord and his disciples? One of them was right there. In John chapter 13, verse 21, and when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. We've got to understand, and I believe that the devil is winning so many victories in Christians' lives today for the fact that, that they fall asleep 
not realizing how close the enemy is. You know, we can live year after year after year, and if we're not careful, we lose territory to the enemy because he's near than we want to give him credit. You know, Mexico, people build walls around their properties. Now, they'll not only build walls around their property, they'll put glass on top of the walls. And if that's not enough, they'll put barbed wire and serpentine wire around the top. And if that's not enough, they'll put bars on the windows. And if that's not enough, they'll put a mean dog out in the yard and not feed him for three weeks. And, and they will do everything in the world. To keep the enemy out. But you know as a pastor. How many times I've seen. People can live in homes. That have walls. And glass. And wire. And a, and, and a security system. And a dog. And How many families have been destroyed. Not from without. But from within. You know how, how devastating that must be. For someone to. Protect their home and all this go effort going to keep people out. To find out what's destroyed their kids. It's not been the influences from without. But from within. You know that would be, be a sad day to put up all this walls and stuff. And find out that the killer was in the bedroom. You know to find out that, that the enemy is, is much closer than we think. You know, you know, so close that the enemy may be in your front pocket. So close that the enemy might be hiding out in your refrigerator. So close that the enemy might be hanging out in your purse. You know, I, I, I've, I've found over the years and especially recently... One of the greatest enemies that our young people have today is the cell phone. And parents get all worried and upset about the situation at the school and, and all this. And yet they let their kids bring the enemy home every day, every night. Well, what's the problem? The problem is the enemy is a lot closer than you think it is. And, and, and maybe the enemy is a whole lot closer. Maybe he sits in your living room every time you sit down in the living room. Maybe he's at the office every time you go to work. And I'm not talking about your co-workers. I'm talking about what's sitting on your desk. You know, you know, think about this idea, sleeping with the enemy. Being, being that the enemy is closer than we think, let me say every time you lay down to sleep, he's right beside you. And it's not your husband. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, notice if you would verse 18. The Bible says there, Romans chapter 7 verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Let me say that enemy tonight, many times is our own flesh. And we get all worked up and worried about the cartel. They're going to come and they're going to shoot me down. And they're going to take me hostage. And, and they're going to take all 500 pesos I have. And, 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 and they're going to... And you know when it really comes down to it, 99% of the time, my biggest enemy is not the cartel. My biggest enemy is myself. You know, you know what's caused more destruction in my family? It's not the outside. It's what I'm doing on the inside. It's my own flesh. It's my own self. Oh, if we could just understand tonight how sad it is that many, many Christians were sleeping with the enemy because we don't want to realize how truly close he is. But you know, um, sleeping with the enemy. To sleep, let me say uh, that, that if we were aware of the fact, sleep would be the farthest thing from us. You know, the Bible talks in Matthew chapter 24 that uh, if, if the man of the house knew when the thief would come, he'd be alert and waiting for him. 
But most of the time we get robbed because we have no idea when he's going to come. And, and sleep is something that happens when someone is so relaxed and comfortable with their surroundings. You know, you get comfortable in your surroundings, put on your nighty, your house coat and your slippers, and you lay down in that big old lazy boy, and you, you just recline it back. You know, it doesn't take 15 seconds. You're comfortable in those surroundings, and you can fall asleep. You're dropping like flies. But you know, um, when you're a little on edge, it, it's kind of hard to go to sleep. When you're worried and, and not comfortable with those surroundings, you can lay in bed for hours. Did you hear that? Did, did you hear the dogs move? Did you hear the dogs bark? I think I heard a car outside. I think I heard the leaves rustle. We're not comfortable. We're on edge. You know, it's sad, but as Christians, we're living in a world where many Christians are comfortable around sin. You know, I believe that the devil has done as much destruction as he has Because by getting Christians comfortable with things, they fall asleep. And they don't realize how close the enemy really is. No, sleeping denotes the fact of security. Saul went to sleep. Saul went to sleep and and man, he he not only went to sleep, he was out of it. He, He was comfortable. He felt secure. Nothing's going to happen to me. And that's the same attitude that many Christians have taken on. They are out of it. And they're out of it because they're comfortable. Nothing is going to happen to me. I'm all right. Everything's good. I can sleep. Wake up. Tomorrow will be great. And they have no clue of the reality in which they're living. Oh, Sad to say, but many times we become so comfortable with the situation environment we live. We become comfortable with our enemy. We become comfortable with sin. We become comfortable with where we are and who we are. And we we make no effort to put at bay Satan and what he wants to do in our lives. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, that we're not to give place to the devil. And um, how dangerous it is when we become as Christians comfortable in this world full of sin. Let me say that sleeping with the enemy, we see first of all here that Saul, as he sleeps in the cave, the enemy was closer than he thought. Let me say second of all that the enemy is deadlier than we admit. You know, Saul, Saul went to sleep, but you know, David, David understood, even though David didn't look at Saul as his enemy, David understood the reality. David saw him as the Lord's anointed. David called him there, my Lord, my my Lord, the King. David didn't even look at him. As his enemy. Yet David was alert and attent to the situation, what could happen. Do you think David was going to go to sleep that night? Not a chance. You know, David had already escaped two javelins. David had already escaped um, when Saul brought him in his bed uh, because he was sick. But thank God that David escaped. You know, David was alert to what was going on. David knew. How deadly Saul was. You know, the devil likes to make everything look harmless. When in truth, he's deadly and he's out to kill. And and I believe that many Christians get get in trouble because uh, that the wrong idea. That they look at the devil, they look at sin and they look at all this and they say, well, yeah, you know, it's bad, but it's really not that bad. Yeah, it's wrong, but it's not that wrong. Yeah, it can get you into trouble, but not that much trouble. 
And, and we lose sight of the fact of how deadly our enemy is. You know, as Christians, the devil can't take away our salvation, our eternal life. But that doesn't mean that the devil's not out to destroy even so. And, and, and I've seen many Christians, they're they never going to lose their eternal salvation or their eternal security. But let me say that the devil can sure rob them of a lot of blessings from the Lord. And, and we see that the devil is deadlier than we admit. You know, you can't trust the enemy. You can't trust the enemy. Well, when was the last time you could make a plea bargain with the enemy and trust him? You can't trust him. Don't turn your back. How many times did Saul come to David and said, Oh, David, I'm sorry I've sinned. Let me tell you, it'll never happen again. Come on home. Come on back. We miss you. We want you. And David said, No, not a chance. I'll forgive you, but we're not going home. I'll forgive you, but, but I don't trust you. And yet... We want to go on life thinking that there's nothing, no big deal. You know, what? I don't know, what's wrong with this? I'm not hurting anybody. And, and, and we get caught and we get in trouble because we trust the enemy. You know, the um, Bible says in John chapter 8 that the devil's a liar and he's the father of it. And so if he's the father of lies, how do you trust a liar? Have you ever thought about it? How do, you, how do you determine when a liar's telling the truth and when he's telling a lie? Just because he's telling you he's telling them the truth this time? I mean, he's lied to you 99 times, but just because he says, I'm telling you the truth this time, that means that what he's saying is the truth? Uh, where, where do you ever come to the place you can trust him? You know, Christ warns us of the tricks of the devil. And he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, that uh, there, there were to beware of false prophets, which come in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly raving wolves. Um, says in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, for I know that, that, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Notice that last phrase, not sparing the flock. Let me, let me say tonight that the enemy is deadlier than we want to admit. You know, uh, back in, in the early years when they were having the, the, the different wars with the Indians and so forth, there were several of the outposts. In, in the West that were being attacked and set afire by the Indians. And um, there was one outpost in particular that was an important outpost, and uh, they seemed to have a lot of attacks. And so the guard was high, and they, they were trying to keep things in order. And uh, there was a span there of several weeks, and nothing happened. And, and uh, one morning when they woke up, everybody at the outpost, the guards, and everybody woke up and walked out and... Outside the gate, the guard was dead. Well, they didn't know what to think. They hadn't heard anything at night. And they thought, well, maybe he had fallen asleep and, and, and the enemy walked up and killed him. So the captain of the outpost said another guard and he said, he, he said, I don't know what's happening, but he said, you better not fall asleep. You better uh, be alert and attend to what's going on. Well, the next guard, I mean, he was there and, Three or four days went by, nothing happened. A couple more days went by, and the next morning they woke up and went out the gate, and here was another guard, and he was dead. And the captain of the outpost began to become worried and thought, well, you know, it'd be one thing for one guard to fall asleep on guard duty and to kill him, but another one in, in a week's time? So he appointed a third guard, and he said, you know, I don't know what's going on, but there's been two guards that have been killed. You better be awake and alert. And let me say this. I command you that whatever you see, whatever moves, you shoot it. He said, you promised me you'll shoot it. 
He said, I, he said, I promise you. He said, if it moves, I'll shoot it. Well, uh, this, I mean, this guy, he was alert. I mean, they've already killed two. So he's a tent and he's watching and two or three nights went by. Nothing happened. A couple more nights and long about the fifth, sixth night, uh, early morning, two or three o'clock in the morning, he heard a rustle in the leaves. He sat up straight, kind of perked his ears up, find out if he could hear what's going on. A couple minutes passed by, didn't hear the leaves rustle again. Immediately pulled up his gun and he said, he said, who goes there? He said, identify yourself or I'll shoot. Nobody answered. Then got quiet. He thought, well, my mind's just playing tricks on me. He said, I can't let this happen. He said, I can't get spooked like this. He said, I, I got to get control of myself. So he kind of lowered the gun and five, ten minutes passed by and heard a rustle in the leaves again and Again, he raised his gun and he said, who goes there? He said, identify yourself or I will shoot. Before long, he saw a little bear. He thought, man, he said, I'm getting spooked. And he said, if I would have shot, I mean, the whole outpost at two or three o'clock in the morning, I'd alert them all that thought we'd under Indian attack. They would have all poured out of there. Fort, and then I'd been in trouble over a little bear. Began to lower his gun when he remembered. He said, I promised that I would shoot whatever moved. He raised that gun up and he shot at that bear. Immediately, soldiers from all over the outpost become running and they sounded the bugle and uh, everyone was alerted. Well, they come out and I asked him what was going on, what he'd seen. He said, well, I said, I'm really not sure, but I, but I, saw, I, I saw a bear and I shot him. Well, they, they grabbed some lanterns and so forth and walked out to where he said he'd been, where he shot the bear. And when they got over there, underneath the bear was an Indian. And night after night, that Indian, under a different disguise, had come so close that he was able to kill Guard after guard, because they had let their guard down. Let me say tonight that the enemy is much more deadly than we admit. Let me say that uh, the Bible says, First Peter chapter five verse eight says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." You know, that, that word devour, that's not a pretty word. Uh, you, you just think about that. And, and um, you know, I've been with Pastor a couple times to Alaska. Uh, I, I would say hunting, but that's probably really a mis, uh, misconception of the idea. Um, and, and, and you go on those hunting trips, there's not a whole lot of hunting goes on, but a whole lot of storytelling goes on. I can tell you that. And um, mom and dad Brown were in Alaska earlier or later this last year and, and, and they come back and, you know, they get told stories. And, and of course, grandma, mother-in-law, she, she's really on edge about this whole bear thing. And, and, and she's heard every story about the devouring and, and whatnot. Let me say, um, if, you, if you understood the word devour, it puts a new meaning on what the devil wants to do. You know, it's not just inviting somebody out to lunch and they finish in five minutes. That's not the term of devour. It, it has more behind it than that. And the devil is out to devour. Let me say tonight that he is more deadly than we want to admit. He's closer than we think. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, Abstain from all appearances of evil. The devil is out to devour. And you better be careful, because he's more deadly than you admit. 
It's interesting this, uh, a couple months ago, uh, a family in our church, and they're having some hard times going, problems with their kids and so forth, and pretty much all of them are out of church now, and they lost a family member, an aunt, and in some different situations, and, and the mother sent me a, a text message, and in the text message it said, Pastor, she said, you know how broken hearted I am over my children. She said, I'm convinced of one thing. You can choose the life you want to live, but you can't choose the consequences. And I thought about that, and I thought, how true. How many young people, how many Christians say, it's my life. Let me live it the way I want to. Well, you can choose the life you want to live, but you cannot choose the consequences. And she said, sadly, my children have chosen the life they want to live. I only fear the consequences that will come. You know, I didn't tell her. One of my greatest fears is that every time the phone rings in the middle of the night, as a pastor, I'm afraid it's one of those kids. You know, tonight, the devil is deadlier than we want to admit. Let me say, third of all, tonight, not only is the devil the enemy closer than we think, not only is the enemy more deadly than we admit, let me say, lastly, that the enemy is more determined than we accept. You know, Saul knew that David had spared his life, and if you go back in 1 Samuel chapter 24, he says there in verse 11, he says, Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand. And I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. Verse 16. Came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Verse 19, it says, For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good, for that thou hast done unto me this day. You know, Saul understood that David had spared his life. And he gives words of repentance and says he's sorry and this and that. Do you think it's the end of the story? I'm going to say the enemy is more determined than we want to accept. And uh, just as Saul had sought David continually, and Saul never gave up till the day of his death. I'm going to say the devil never gives up. Think about that word, never gives up. My grandmother used to have on her refrigerator uh, a pitcher, and it was a stork, and it was swallowing a frog. And, and the frog was all but in, and he had his front hands around the neck of that stork. And it said, never give up. I mean, the frog was in the stork's mouth. I mean, he was all but gone, but he had the stork around the neck. And it said, never give up. You know, that's kind of the way the devil is. He's a defeated enemy, but he hasn't given up. The Bible says that, that, that God has given us victory over him, but, but even though he's a defeated enemy, he doesn't give up. We were, we were talking the other day, uh, remembering Josh, and, and I remember back, Josh was, Josh was little. But you know, Josh was one of those boys that he didn't give up. He didn't give up. And it didn't matter how much you, you got on top of him. It didn't matter how much. I mean, he, he, would, he would be hurting. But Josh was not going to say uncle. I, I mean, if it was the last thing he did, he wasn't going to do that. Some of you remember Josh. Josh was pretty determined. And, and there were some times that 
Man, the poor kid was crying. But he wasn't going to say uncle. Let me say, I remember times, man, you, you got so disgusted because he wouldn't say uncle, you just finally decided to give up and let him up. But as soon as you let him up, I mean, he was on you. He was after you again. And I'm thinking, man, this boy doesn't learn. I mean, you put a hurting on him and he still gets up and, he, and he's still after. You know, would to God as Christians, we would have that same determination. And, and sad to say the devil's more determined than most Christians are. And though he is a defeated enemy, many Christians will be defeated because they will let the devil win the battle. They're not determined. They're not determined to go on. They're not determined to to stick out the fight. And, and, And the devil wins because of his determination. And he doesn't give up. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 31... And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before thou shalt thrice deny that, I, that thou knowest me. You know... The Bible says that Satan hath desired to have you and sift you. Let me say the enemy tonight is more determined than we want to accept. If it's not enough that he's closer than we think, if it's not enough that he's more deadly than we admit, let me say he's more determined than any of us want to accept. As we come into this new year, I wonder how determined as Christians we are going to be about facing and fighting this, this enemy. You know, um, I, I think one of the problems is, is that many times we know what is wrong. The problem is, is we, we just keep delaying. The fact that we're going to take action. You know, we're, we're, we're going to stop, just not quite yet. And so we, we end up playing with sin. You know, the Bible is very clear. You, you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And uh, you think about Samson. Samson was playing there with, with sin. And, and he played with it just long enough, it caught him. He played with it just long enough, he paid the consequences. You know, you know as, we, as we come into this new year, I wonder how many things there are in our life. I wonder how many habits there are. I wonder how much sin there is that, that you know, this is a new year. I think I'm going to stop. But yet we haven't, we haven't done it yet. We just keep playing with it. And, and, and um, too, many, too many Christians, I believe, have that mindset, you know, this is, this is going to be my last drink. And, and from here on, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, why take the last one? You know, why don't you just stop before you drink it? Well, you know, this is, this is going to be my last smoke. And I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, you know, this is, this is going to be my last lie. And from now on, I'm going to tell the truth. Well, you know, this is going to be the last time I'm going to steal from others. And from here on out, I'm going straight. I mean, I'm not going to steal no more. You know, this is, this is going to be the last time I'm going to look at that which I ought not to look at. But from here on out, it's going to be different. This is going to be the last time I'm going to see this person. And from here on out, I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't know. Have you ever done one of them last times? I remember growing up as a kid. There was lots of times. This is my last time. And after I got a good whooping, this is my last time. I ain't getting another one over this. And you know, it's amazing how many, how many more I got for the same thing. But you know, I believe if we'll be honest, most of us have said, now, this is going to be my last time. Has it ever happened like that? This is my last time. I'm going to do it this time, and then from here on out, it's not going to happen anymore. You know, 
Lord Jesus gives us an example of how to deal with sin. In Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. You know, I, I know that these verses here apply maybe to salvation. But I believe, I believe it can be very, very applicable to even sin in our lives. The Bible says in verse 29, And if thy right if I offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. You know, we, um, we all want victory, do we not? We all want victory, but the sad thing about it is, is most of us as Christians don't want to take drastic measures. You ever thought about, you got a problem looking at certain things? Just pluck your eye out. Oh, oh well, pastor, yeah, yeah, I want the victory, but, you know, I'm really not sure I want to pluck my eye out. Well, yeah, I have sticky fingers, but, you know, I'm really not really thinking about chopping my hand off just over sticky fingers. You know, we, we want victories, but we don't want to take drastic measures. And uh, in the Christian life, Jesus said, you know, it's a whole lot better to lose a member than to be cast into hell. Yeah, I think we can understand that as far as salvation. But, but if it's that way about salvation, don't you think it might apply the same way in the Christian life about getting some victory over something? I mean, we want, we want victory, but no drastic decisions. You know, yeah, pastor, you know, I, I'm really seeing some rebellion in my children, but, but you, you know what? Probably a lot of it is related to the TV and so forth. But you know, I paid a lot of money for that thing. You really think I should destroy it? A ball bat to my flat screen that I got a Good Friday? I mean, I got that. I got that on a deal, and it still cost me. Well, you want victories for your kids, and you want victories in your Christian life, but you just don't want to take any drastic decisions. You know, I'm really having problems with my kids, and and and, and they won't listen to me, and. And they've got these wrong friends and, and they're influencing them in their life. But, but pastor, what would I do there in seventh grade? They will be traumatized for life if I take away their cell phone. You know, we want victories, but we don't, we don't want to take any drastic decisions. Yeah, pastor. She's a senior. Don't you think a senior ought to have a Facebook account? I mean, don't you think they're old enough to start living their own life? You know, do we understand tonight that the devil, our enemy, is more determined than you or I want to accept you know, David, David fell into sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it all started, listen, listen tonight, it all started with simply delaying to do that which is right. The Bible says it was the time that kings went out to battle. The Bible does not allude to the fact that David was not going to battle. He just wasn't going at that time. You know, maybe he was going to go, but just a little bit later. And um, David wasn't where he should have been, and he found, himself, he found himself in trouble. It all started with delay. And, uh, you know, tonight, if, if we're not doing what we know to be right, you know, that could be the first step in leading to tragedy. We have an enemy. You know, it's only by God's grace and by God's power and by God's strength that we can resist and avoid the traps and the 
and, and, and the snares of the devil. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14, it says, And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. What was it that delivered David out of his hand? Was it that David was so quick, so smart, so agile that Saul just could never catch him? The Bible says the very last phrase, but God delivered him not into his hand. Understand with me tonight, the enemy is closer than we think. He's more deadly than we realize. He's more determined than we want to accept. But let me say tonight, if it wasn't for God in his protecting hand in the life of David, David would have never been able to have outsmarted and outrun Saul. Never. You know what, what David's best ally was? <clears throat> His relationship with God. Tonight, do we really think that we're such good Christians that we can sleep with the enemy and it never affect us? Do we really think that we're so smart and so talented that the devil can't get his hands on us? Let me say the only one we're deceiving is ourselves. And our best ally this year, and not only this year, but every year and every day, is to maintain the right relationship with God. The Bible says that God delivered him not into his hand. You know, the secret wasn't all all about David. It was all about God. And God delivered him. You know, tonight, as we think about that enemy, I think, God, if you don't work, there's no way we're making it through this. God, if you don't protect me, there's no way I'm going to make this. God, I'm so weak. The, the truth is, is the enemy, he, he, he's inside of me. My own flesh. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And if it's not for God, and if we don't maintain a right relationship with God, you know what's going to happen this year? I have no clue. If it hadn't have been for God's hand over David, how, many, how long do you think David would have lasted at the hands of Saul? Oh, I think tonight is, as we think about this thought of sleeping with the enemy, maybe it's time for Christians to wake up. Maybe it's time for you to quit sleeping with the enemy. Maybe it's time to get a little uncomfortable in your surroundings and become a little bit more alert to the reality and what is going on. Maybe tonight it's time. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The Bible says it is high time to awake out of sleep. Let me say tonight that uh, you know, there's an enemy out there and he's a whole lot closer than we think. Oh, well, I don't think it's that bad. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, and, and, and the enemy's a whole lot deadlier than you want to admit. Well, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. And he's definitely a whole lot more determined and sad to say he's a whole lot more determined than most of us as Christians. And that's why he destroys so many. I think, sadly, many times we're alert to all the dangers maybe in the lives of everyone else. We're just not alert to the dangers in my life. You know, it's amazing how we can look at somebody else's life and say, you know what's wrong with their kids? What's wrong with their kids is the television and the cell phone. It's written all over. And what's wrong with yours? There's nothing wrong with mine. Mine are all right. (laughs) 
Well, you know what's wrong with that brother? He's just got bitterness in his life. You, you know what's wrong with her? She's just jealous. And we can see the dangers in everybody else's life. But we can't see the enemy that's destroying our own life. We've put up that wall to hold out everything that's around us. And what's destroying us is not what's outside. What's destroying us is what's inside those walls. Oh, tonight, maybe you've been sleeping with the enemy. Maybe tonight you need to go home and look at not what's outside the wall. I mean, you look at what's inside the wall. Maybe tonight we need to look at not those around us. But look at who's inside of me. And I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about that flesh. That flesh that controls so much of what we do. That flesh that decides so much of what we, what we do, where we go, and how we do it. Let me say tonight, be careful. You sleep with the enemy. It's saying that you're so comfortable that in the presence of the enemy, you can go to sleep. You've closed your eyes to the danger that so easily could destroy you. I hope tonight that that's not the situation. I would hope and think tonight that as Christians, as members, and I I include myself in it, of Capital City, that we would not be so naive to the dangers. But at the same time, I'll be honest with myself I hope that we would all be honest with each other. Many times the dangers that as a pastor I try to ward, ward off in the lives of so many others. How easy it is for those same dangers to be present in the life of what? God help us tonight. We're living in a world where Christianity is sleeping with the enemy. We're falling asleep and have no clue of the reality in which we're living.